Exodus chapter 15. Um, let's uh, be turning to that in our Bibles. Uh, we're beginning a, a new series today, returning to the book of Exodus. And uh, the series will be going throughout the summer, um, and it'll be in the Ten Commandments. So the, ne- but the next uh, three sermons really are looking at the the introduction, if you like, to why the Ten Commandments were necessary, uh, how God was preparing his people. Remember, he promised to Moses that he would bring him back to the place, to Mount Sinai, where he'd appeared to him as the I am that I am, the burning bush. He would bring him back with all the Israelites. Uh, So that's coming in chapter 19. But we're in chapter 15, and we're beginning our reading at uh, verse 22. So Exodus might be helpful if I'm in the, in the book of Exodus rather than the book of Numbers. I th- thought it looked a bit different. So Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold... The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, 
and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was in the face of the wilderness, on the face of the wilderness, a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered a little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field, for six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna for forty years, till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John's um, going to come and read the word for us. John, before you um, lead us in the worship, uh, in, sorry, in the sermon, can I just ask, where have you been in the last one week? Have you been off Skyview or something? Well, yes, I have. This is impromptu. Yeah, well, well skiving in one sense, it was a bit of holiday, um, but it was a lot of fishing, so I enjoyed uh, catching lots of fish, uh, but also reading and praying, and 
I'm working my way through a book called Reset, uh, which some of you will know, which I'm finding very helpful in reading other books, Christian books, and, and just time to reflect and pray and catch up with my soul, if that's the right way of putting it. Okay, so are you fishing fish or are you fishing for men? No, just fish. Although I went to church and, uh, yeah, it was, it was great to be with a, uh, another fellowship of God's people on a Sunday and it was just a real blessing to hear God's word and to talk to others and... Yeah. So I was just reading about the place John went to. It's got Walton on the Wall? Yeah, Walton on the Wall, near Melton Mowbray. Okay. But I didn't uh, eat any pork pies. Okay, and uh, the village population, from what I read, is about 288. So when John got there, what do you think would happen? 289? <laughs> or just one? Because they would see John coming and they would just, they would just leave town. <laughs> well, anyway, John, that didn't quite happen, but I, I, I could quite understand good, if good it did. Good to see you back. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Well, do be turning back to um, Exodus. Um, and we'll be looking at that passage. It'd be great help to me if you could have that open and uh, uh, be able to, to look at other parts of the Bible because we'll be looking at um, other parts of the Bible. There's lots of themes in this uh, passage. Uh, you might have looked at the theme of, of rest, of God's provision, but the main thing we're going to be thinking about um, this week and next is about grumbling. So let's pray that God would speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you and praise you that in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have given us all things. And Father, we're sorry that you know our hearts, you know our pride, our self-sufficiency, how prone we are, like the Israelites, to grumble. Lord, please speak to our hearts this morning that we might turn away from that and turn back to your son, or turn to him for the first time, that we might find in him all that we need, even rest, for his glory. Amen. Well, what don't you like about church? Maybe this church, things you don't like. I mean, there's lots of things to like, aren't there? But are there things that you don't like? Maybe not just about this church, but church in general, or, or church leaders. Maybe this church leader, or previous church leaders, or other church leaders you come across, things you don't like. Now, of course, there's often valid things to complain about. Some things that happen, thankfully, in other churches might be very serious scandals of abusive church leaders, churches that become cults, financial scandals, adultery, whatever it might be. But other grumbles might be a little bit less. The quality of the coffee. Whether the seating is comfortable or not, the music, the welcome, how hard we work, how many people there are here. I think we will be challenged this morning that what can be a right desire can morph into a rebellious grumble. And the good news is that Jesus Christ helps us to battle with this problem that we all have of grumbling. I mean, it's a bit of a, a, a cultural problem, isn't it, grumbling? It, there's there's uh, maybe a good reason why we're called whinging poms. 
But we'll see this morning how serious grumbling is. Now, where have we got to so far? Let's just get our bearings in the Exodus narrative. God is unfailingly good and gracious. And we know that because of his promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. His promise to Abraham for no reason other than he called him from his home and promised to take him to a land and to make him into a great nation and to make his children as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham trusted God. And because he trusted God, God credited it to him as righteousness, made him right in his sight. And and God was faithful to his promise to Abraham, despite Abraham frequently not really believing the promise and doing all kinds of things which showed that he was hanging on by a thread in his faith. Fast forward 430 years, and the Israelites in Egypt are over 2 million, the descendants of Abraham. And as we've heard in our children's talk, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and promised to him that he would take the Israelites out of Egypt, back to the place where he met him in the burning bush on Mount Sinai, in faithfulness to his promise to Abraham. And so there was the plagues. And Pharaoh kept saying, let my people go. Uh, Sorry, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh kept saying, no. And then there was that final plague. How were the children of Israel to be rescued from the land of slavery? Well, by the blood of a lamb being daubed on some wood. And it was at that point that they were rescued out of slavery. They didn't lift a finger in war. They walked out of Egypt, pointing forward, as we all know, I'm sure, of that lamb who would rescue us from slavery to sin and death, the lamb whose blood was shed on a piece of wood outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at the beginning of chapter 15, they were singing and celebrating their rescue. They'd seen the Egyptians completely vanquished in the waters of the Red Sea, and they were singing and celebrating their rescue. They were free. And yet, within three days, three days, they were grumbling. Three points this morning. The first is this. Grumbling against Christ is serious, so repent. Secondly, Gracious is God's provision. See his glory. And then thirdly, give ear to God's law, which trains our trust. Firstly, grumbling against Christ is serious. We should all repent of that. See, three days after they'd been um, celebrating the rescue... Uh, that God had worked through the Red Sea, walls of water on either side, they're grumbling. Look with me at chapter 15, verse 24. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I mean, three days, they'd seen God's power rescue them through the Red Sea, and they're now worried about what they're going to drink. Or then a month and a half later, at the beginning of chapter 16, chapter 16, verse 2, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, 
Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We'd rather be slaves in Egypt, Moses, because we had a good Sunday lunch. How serious is their grumbling? Are they grumbling against their human leaders, Moses and Aaron, for valid reasons? The drink is non-existent, the food is non-existent. They've got a valid point, don't they? But as we'll see next week, they continue to grumble into chapter 17 at Massah and Meribah. And these places become symbolic of the rebellion of God's people against him for generations to come. They didn't enter the promised land. They died in the desert. Why? What was actually going on in this grumbling? Well, for that, we need to look at the uh, New Testament um, commentary on this part of God's Word. So if you keep your finger in, in Exodus and flip with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to try and get above the background noise. So sorry if sometimes I'm a bit loud. But I don't want us to be distracted. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. And Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and saying, look... What happened back then in Exodus 15 to 17 is an example for you Christians today. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. Manner is spiritual food. We'll find out about that in a minute. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. That's chapter 17 that we'll look at next week. And that rock was Christ. Christ! Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. This grumbling led them to die as a generation in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we may not desire evil as they did. Verse 10, we must not grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. See, grumbling against Christ is serious. It leads to destruction. We must repent if that's where we've got ourselves. There's lots of news at the moment, isn't there, about gambling. I don't know if you've seen it in the news. People finding themselves addicted to gambling. They're changing all the sort of gambling advertising so that people don't get into gambling. As with lots of things, it's addictive. It begins in a fairly harmless way. I was listening to the radio on the way back from, from London on Thursday, and, and a woman was talking about how she just started to get into games of bingo. You know, fairly harmless stuff. And then it became fruit machines. And before she knew it, she'd racked up tens of thousands of pounds in debt. Well, grumbling's like that. It may begin for legitimate reasons, being thirsty, being hungry in the desert. But it wasn't long before the Israelites were ready to kill Moses and reject Christ all the symbols of him that were before their eyes, and they rejected him. And so their bodies littered the desert. Now, we've got to be careful here. Um, voicing complaint against God from the motivation of faith is all the way through the Bible. It's in the Psalms. 
Psalm 79, verse 5. How long, O Lord? Will you be angry forever? It, not grumbling is not the same as not complaining, questioning, trusting God, questioning, what, Lord, why, why will you not show more mercy to people? Why will you not answer that prayer? I, I long for your glory to be made known. I, I long to know you. There's the complaint of faith, which is encouraged in the Psalms. Uh, and this is, isn't saying we should never question our church leadership, as if somehow Moses and Aaron are the same as church. No, they're types of Christ. What is revealed here is the grumbling of unbelief that continues despite dramatic, supernatural rescue and provision. Grumbling that begins in a legitimate way can morph into something deadly. Hardness of heart. Remember when we say Psalm 95, the beginning of our services, about the Lord being the shepherd of his people, and it says, don't harden your heart as they did at Massah and Meribah in the desert. This grumbling is about to reach deadly fruition in testing God and their rejection of God. So grumbling against Christ is serious. If that's where we are, or that's where we're tempted to go, you and I need to repent of that. But how does the Lord deal with that grumbling amongst his people? Well, the second point is gracious is the Lord's provision. Gracious is the Lord, so see his glory. It's a bit of a sort of Yoda point, isn't it? I've changed the, the, the order of the words to, to get a second G, so sorry about that. Gracious is the Lord's provision. See, the answer of the Lord to the Israelites' grumbling is not just to tell them, stop grumbling. It's to graciously provide for them and reveal his glory to them. See, if we think that God is some cosmic tyrant or cosmic sugar daddy, then we need to see what he's really like. He's gracious and generous in his provision in such a way as to train his people to trust in him came out clearly in the children's talk, didn't it? He, firstly, they were thirsty, and he enables Moses to miraculously heal some water that is bitter. So the place is called Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. So look with me at chapter 15, verse 25. And he cried to the Lord, that's Moses, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. How does God respond to his people's grumbling? He heals this salt lake, making it fresh. He leads them to a, an oasis, graciously provides. And then verse 4 in chapter 16. Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. We'll say more about the, the testing or training in, in their trust of him. But this is, in response to the grumbling of the Israelites, God brings bread from heaven, dew that forms into edible flakes that can feed two million people every day. That's tons of bread. But it's 
spiritual food, isn't it? I mean, it appears they can collect it, they can cook it, but if they think, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more for tomorrow, then it shrinks to an omer. And if they haven't got time to collect it, it expands to an omer. They all, however much they collect, it's just an omer. That's what they get. And depending on the day, sometimes it rots or it doesn't. This is supernatural, spiritual food. It's not frost. That wouldn't keep two million people going for very long. Verse 6, so Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And all this supernatural provision that he's providing before their eyes, which is a picture of Christ. Such gracious provision. He will provide not just bread, but meat. And they see, I don't know if you see that, his glory in verse 10. They ate meat, and then the following morning they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared right before them. In a cloud. But they're going to carry on grumbling. Um, keep your finger there and just turn forward with me to John chapter 6. Because this echoes into the, the pages of the New Testament and Jesus' ministry. And the glory that he showed his followers in feeding them bread in the desert, even saying that he is the bread of life. So look with me at John chapter 6, verse 35. He's just fed 5,000 people. Well, 5,000 men, actually, probably more like 20,000 people. And he says this in John chapter 6, verse 35. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. He satisfies Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Here is the one in whom God dwells fully, where God dwells in all his glory in the Son, and he promises to, to you and to me that if we trust in him, we will have eternal life. We will be fully and finally satisfied in this life and the next what do you think people are going to do with that? Look at the next verse. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they stopped following him. Lots of disciples stopped following him, except the 12 and a few others. Who, in verse 68, what do they say? Well, let's pick it up with the words of Jesus. As lots of people are just abandoning him. Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, what made people reject Jesus 
when they had just been fed by him miraculously, it was their grumbling. Can we see how serious grumbling can become? People who win the lottery are not always blessed, are they? So many stories of tremendous wealth, meaning that their marriages fall apart. All of a sudden, their friends have an ulterior motive for being their friends. You know, a couple of million wouldn't go, to, you know, wouldn't go unnoticed. A few handouts don't materialize. And this great blessing of countless millions becomes a curse. See, the gracious provision of the Lord, which reveals to the Israelites afresh that he has rescued them, that he has chosen them, that he shows them something of his glory in the desert as he rains meat and bread on them supernaturally because of their addiction to grumbling becomes a curse and leads to their hardness of heart. Has the Lord graciously provided for you and for me? Has the Lord provided in some way uh, graciously for us of late? Are we those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore have everything? Beware hardness of heart. That takes the Lord's gracious provision and gracious salvation and because we grumble about something, find that our hearts are hard. I mean, I, I feel the, the challenge of this. This is what this passage is saying, isn't it? Check that I'm getting it right. It is the Lord's glory to provide graciously for his redeemed people. But throughout the pages of Scripture, we see that sometimes... Those who grumble, twist such provision into a curse that causes them to harden their hearts against him and be destroyed. So the question should be, well, how can we avoid that? How can we avoid the fact that in God's gracious provision for us, in Jesus Christ, in, even if there was supernatural provision for us, that, we, that our hearts wouldn't be like the Israelites, like those who listen to Jesus in the flesh. How can we not be like this? And the answer is, give ear to God's law. Give ear. Listen. Listen to the Ten Commandments as we're going to go through them, which train us daily to trust in God. You see, what happens is the Lord graciously provides, but as he does so, he gives instructions as to how they are to benefit from this provision. 15 verse 25, look at it with me. And there, so this is when he provides them with water, the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them. The commentaries say it might be better translated, trained them. He's wanting them to learn how to trust in him by obeying his word, obeying his law. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you 
that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. As I heal this water, so I will heal you, my people. I am your healer. Trust me. Follow my ways. Obey my laws. Or chapter 16, verse 4. Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them or train them whether they will walk in my law or not. And what happens? Verse 19, and Moses said to them, leave no one, uh, let no one leave any part of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And then when Moses says, look, you won't need to collect any tomorrow because the Lord has given you two omers. There won't be any tomorrow. What do they do? They go out to collect it. The Lord is training his people to trust in him and what he says. And verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 28, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place on the seventh day. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, we'll see more of this as we go into our series in the Ten Commandments. Uh, but just as I close, why should we be interested in the Ten Commandments? Or for the very same reason that the Israelites should have been interested in the law of God? It was through God's law that God was going to train them in trust of him, of enjoyment of his grace, of enjoyment of his, his rescue, of preserving that relationship between God and his people. And of course, ultimately, there was only one who kept God's law. Only one who was trained in trust and obedience of God's law. Only one who fully kept the law of God. And only one who can help us to avoid grumbling. Only one who can help us see its seriousness. Only one who can give us a new heart to keep God's law. Only one who can work in our hearts day by day, so that, as we'll see more of this later, we can trust him for provision, whatever it might be, each day, just each day, not for two days' time or two weeks' time or two years' time or trusting him for day, our daily bread, and resting in him. Only one. We know who it is, don't we? But what we need to do is we go into this series in the Ten Commandments is recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Only he is the antidote. Through his law and his fulfillment of the law to our grumbling. But we need to take our grumbling seriously, don't we? Because if it leads us to reject Christ, it's incredibly serious. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that your word is sometimes challenging to us, exposing of our sin, because you know what we're like. You know how much we need Jesus, how much we need to flee to him, how much we need to keep trusting in him. So Lord, please forgive us our grumbling, whatever it's caused, whatever it's about, and help us 
to come back to you, Lord Jesus, to know your grace, your mercy, your love, your work in us, that you might train us in trust of you. Amen.